Welcome to the Licensing Podcast, where we take what may seem like the extremely boring and try to make it a little less boring. Each episode is geared towards a story to help provide you with some of the background of where these topics come from, why they work the way they work, and what you can do about it on your test. We're going to provide a lot of realism. Unfortunately, you can only provide so much fun. Welcome back for another session. On today's episode, we're going to talk about preferred stock features. Now, that's actually a little bit of a misnomer. It's not really just preferred stock features. The book does a great job of explaining that all preferred stock features are also going to apply to all the bond features. So to get really specific, callable bonds and callable preferred stock, that's a thing. Convertible bonds and convertible preferred stock. Puttable bonds and puttable preferred stock. Specifically on the test, you could see either dynamic. You could see a question about a callable convertible preferred stock you could see a question about a callable convertible bond. The next step from a test perspective is to recognize is a convertible bond or convertible preferred stock going to have a higher or lower rate than a non-convertible bond or preferred stock? And again, the material does a pretty decent job of explaining what you should expect from a nominal standpoint. What the point of this episode is to do is to provide you with the context of why that makes a lot of sense the way that the book is laid it out. So for the rest of this example, let's actually use the bond because I'm in favor of thinking that's probably the question's more likely to be. So you have a convertible bond. Should it have a higher rate or a lower rate than a non-convertible bond? That's the question that revolves around features. And we're going to expand the conversation now to include that. All of these additional things that we're going to add to our bond is something we can just simply call a feature. Callable is a feature. Convertible is a feature. And when you're talking about features, there's actually a pretty set standard way that you want to do it. You just constantly need to remember that there's a bond holder and then there's an issuer. And a bond is a negotiation between the two of them. I know in our consumer retail world, we tend to think of it only one way. Remember from the previous episode, I went to the store, I bought pants, and I don't really care about what happens to the business. We got to erase that in the bond world just like we have to erase that in the stock world. Questions can be about our issuers, our companies, just as easily as they can be about our bond holders, or in my analogy, the guys buying the pants. So... The first thing you want to identify when they ask you a feature-based question is, what does the feature let me do? The second thing you want to recognize is that the feature is going to give one of these parties the power. The feature is either going to be a better deal for the issuer or it's going to be a better deal for the bondholder. The last thing you want to recognize is that because this is a negotiation, whoever gets the power has to cough up something in return. So let's apply those three standards to one of our examples, convertible bonds. A convertible bond, by definition, allows the bond holder to turn the bond into common stock. So that's a power that the bond holder wants. He's the guy who wants to be in control of the decision making. In order for him to be enabled to do that, he's got to cough up something to the issuer. The issuer is just going to be over there. Hey, man, I'm not just giving you free cookies here. I need something in return. There's a negotiation step. So if the bond was going to be a 5% bond, that means the issuer was going to pay 5%. That means the issuer was going to pay 50 bucks a year. Now the bondholder wants an even sweeter deal. He wants the 5% and he wants to turn the bond into common stock. Issuer is going to say no dice, what you're going to cough up. And uh, 
traditionally speaking, most of the questions revolve around rate. They tend to be rate goes up or rate goes down. So in this scenario, the issuer who is paying the $50 wants a reduction in rate. I'll make this a convertible bond, but it's going to be a 4% bond instead of the traditional 5%. If we take one more example just to make this thing solid, let's talk about the callable bond. So in the callable bond scenario, the issuer is now the person who wants the power. The issuer wants the authority to take the bond away from the bondholder whenever he wants. That's a pretty sweet deal. Bondholder is not just going to take that line down. The bondholder wants something for that. Bondholder is the one getting paid the interest rate. So it's not going to be that standard 5% bond anymore. The bondholder wants an additional money for that punch in the face. And so now the bond becomes a 6% or a 7% bond. And that's going to work for all the features, including the puttables and uh, even the participating preferreds that you read in the preferred stock section. If you want some additional feature to your fixed income security, then you just got to keep track of who is the one who wants the additional power. And on that front, what is he going to give up to get it? And you're most likely to see it in a scenario that involves around rates. Bondholders want higher rates because they're getting that money. Issuers want lower rates because they're the ones paying that money. So that's the main thesis of the story. Since we've got a couple minutes, I wanted to tell you an interesting story about one that I get a lot of questions on revolving around participating preferred stock or performance preferred stock. We hear the word dividend in there and then we get a little confused as to what it is that's going on. So to set up the story, I just want to remind you, participating preferred stock is when the preferred stockholder wants to receive what's called a special dividend. Now, it's called a special dividend because it's not the common dividend that you're used to. As we remember from the reading, the preferred stockholder does not get the quarterly common dividend. He only gets his interest rate dividend every year. And in order to get that more solid interest rate, he gave up the voting rights performance preferred allows you to get not the, the normal common quarterly, but if the common stock were to pay something called a special dividend, and that's the vocab you need, special dividend, then the performance preferred gets that as well. And so the real question becomes, why would you want that? Why do you not care about the quarterly dividend, but you do want this participating one or this performance one? Well, it's all about what the dividend's intended to do. Please remember that the common purchaser of preferred stock in general is a rich person. Please remember that the head of a CEO or a guy who would sit on a board of directors is usually a very rich person as well. So that's the setup. Both of these customers are the same kind of person, and that's going to be the linchpin going forward. Typically, what we're going to find is if the corporation wants to do something extra special, it's probably for tax reasons. And therefore, the really rich retail person is going to want the exact same deal, again, for tax purposes. So our setup. I need to remind you of some historical uh, bias here. Taxes used to be such that dividends and interest payments were both paid at tax brackets. So if I made $100,000 in salary and I was rich, I'd pay 40% in taxes. If I got $100,000 in bond interest and I was rich, I'd pay 40% in taxes. If I made $100,000 in dividend payments and was rich, I'd still pay 40% taxes. But in 2001, when the economy was on a downturn, President Bush decided to do what we now just call the Bush tax cuts. And I think one of the bigger pieces, this isn't the only piece, but one of the bigger pieces is this idea around 
let's reduce the dividend rate. So the dividend rate falls to a 15 to 20% space. So now if I get $100,000 in income and I'm in the high tax bracket, I pay 40%. If I get $100,000 in interest income and I'm in the rich tax bracket, I pay 40%. If I get $100,000 in just dividend payments, now I only pay 20% on that. And that was the interesting thing. So all these rich people over the last couple of decades decided, you know what they really want? We want to be paid in dividend money. That's the best thing for it. Fast forward to 2013. It's October, November, December. It's coming up at the end of the year. And the Bush tax cuts have been renewed constantly year over year. They're, they're not permanent build-ins. Every year, Congress has to reapprove them. And so Congress is having that fight. And it looks like for the first time in a long time, Congress is actually going to let the Bush tax cuts lapse. It looks like for the first time in a long time, dividend tax rates are going to go back to the normal tax bracket rates, which obviously makes a bunch of rich people nervous. Well, the rich people who are on the boards of all these companies who own 20 and 30 and 50% of these companies want one last big paycheck. I think a great example of this is Wynn Resort. Steve Wynn is one of the primary majority owners of Wynn Resort. And Wynn's been paying out a quarterly dividend somewhere between 25 cents and a dollar, depending on how good they've been doing. And, and they've been doing that for decades. That's a pretty consistent dividend paying company. But in November of 2013, Wynn Resort pays out a three dollar special dividend okay three dollars which means i mean i don't know how much he actually owns but if we just kind of pretend that steve owns 10 million shares steve just gave himself a 30 million dollar paycheck which he's getting at the dividend rates which means he's only paying 15 percent tax so if i'm a warren buffett and i'm rich too and i own a lot of preferred stock wouldn't i want that payment too because aren't I going to run into the same problem that Steve has, that when the tax cuts die, I'm going to lose out on that 15 to 40% split? So that's one reason. There's a couple others, but that's one of the reasons why I might want some participating preferred stock as a rich person. It's because I'm going to want the tax break when the company wants the tax break. So that's the fun little side story. To summarize the point of this episode, we again remind you that it was about features. Fixed income products have features. So preferred stock and bonds have features like callable, convertible, puttable, and you're going to have to keep track of them on the test in terms of does they make the rates go up, do they make the rates go down, all their call protection windows. You get a couple of those things in there. The thing you want to do is keep track of who is the person who's getting the power and therefore what are they going to have to negotiate away in order to make sure that it's a good deal for everybody involved. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.